Hello, everybody. This is April with the Everything Considered podcast. And today I have Bradley Lovell with me. And uh, Bradley is an, a very interesting person. We're going to learn a lot about him. Uh, I happen to be strolling through our local farmer's market. And I've seen him before, but then I saw some of his beautiful work uh, with wood. And we'll touch on that. But uh, for now, welcome, Bradley. We're very happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you, April. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so I got a little bio from you, and I'd like to hear a little bit about who you are and talk about some of your adventures and travels. So let's just start there. Okay, well, I should preface with I often feel nervous speaking about myself. So <laughs> I understand. I'll try to, I'll try That's to why slow I interview down people. A bit. Uh, <laughs> um, I am 33 years old. I was born and raised in Texas, um, had a typical upbringing, and went to university. Uh, graduated from university and quickly realized that a, a job in corporate America in finance um, was not what I wanted to be doing all my life. Mm -hmm. So I began saving money and I left the country to go to South America when I was 22, 23 and lived down there for about a year and a half. And that really was the beginning of a journey that's still happening today, uh, a process of purification, of going mm -hmm. deeper, and a process of expression. And it's led me to a bunch of other adventures, uh, inside and out. And now I'm here in Georgia. My folks live here, and I like being close to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to figure out my place in the world. I think for the past decade, I was very much on the fringe of the world and mm -hmm. not just not I, I was actively participating in it but always felt like there was a lot of space between me and the world and now I'm jumping into it and trying to see where the pieces fall right right I totally understand that I think I've I'm like a lot older than you <laughs> and I think I've spent most of my life just on adventures so I totally can relate to that where did where about did you live in South America I started in Peru okay and great story I went down there I read a book about ayahuasca and mm -hmm. I emailed the author and I said how did you have these very authentic experiences down there with the natives and out in the middle of nowhere and he emailed me back and said I'll put you in touch with someone and I ended up going down there and we were in the middle of nowhere. I say we, me and a buddy of mine, we went to the middle of nowhere in the Amazon jungle with uh, the Matsis Indian tribes. And we stayed with them for a couple of weeks mm -hmm. doing a bunch of different types of plant medicines, uh, including ayahuasca and very memorable kickoff to my journey in South America. I bet. <laughs> yeah. And ended up moving to Chile after um, the Southern Antarctic part of Chile where okay. I lived for about a year managing uh, a hostel down there and working in the the famous national park down there, Torres del Paine, beautiful Wow. Park. Wow. So how, how long were you in South America then? That round, I was in about a year and a half, about 18 to 20 months, something like that. Yeah. So did and... you have quite an experience with Aya then? Like, was that, that was a very eye-opening Yes, yeah. yes, I, it was a lot of physical purging. 
mm-hmm. but also a lot of mental purging and mm-hmm. emotional purging. Mm. Um, actually, I, I was slotted to do five ceremonies. And on the fourth one, she had told me, okay, that's enough for you for now. You're done. You don't need to do the fifth. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I took that and my message was really starting to go inwards. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you've had a bunch of these psychedelic experiences because I had done uh, pretty intense uh, psilocybin trips before that. Right. And uh, it was like, okay, now put all those things aside and try to learn how to meditate, how to go mm-hmm. inward and really start feeling more and more and more. And so yeah. that started that inward process in a, and a, without the use of entheogens. Yes. Yes. They have a place, uh, but ultimately we can get there, you know, with or without them, you know, it, I think mm-hmm. they have a be- or a beautiful way to kind of be initiated into that process. So definitely, definitely yeah. gave me a new reference point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This isn't everything that exists. There are more <laughs> layers, dimensions, whatever, yeah. right in front of me. <laughs> I think that's the biggest hurdle for a lot of people is, you know, there's such a separation in terms of, uh, you know, our awareness of something outside of the linear physical realm. And, and that's, a, and we're not, you know, we're conditioned away from it. I think as children, we have a, we have more of a connection, but as time goes on, we get very conditioned away from, away from that awareness. So definitely uh, we get barraged with all sorts of conditionings, huh? Yeah. And the yeah. patterns we inherit from our parents and their parents, like these generational traumas and curses, they, they're they're deeply embedded in our cells. Yeah, they really are. And it's a wow. lot. I mean, I didn't really start my so-called awakening journey till I was in my 40s. Uh, but I, I had a lot of adventures before then. Just I for me, and, and I we might talk a little bit about human design, if you don't mind. Um, Absolutely. Just dip into there. For me, I'm a line three. So I am what's called the martyr and we experiment with everything. So I experimented with all the, you know, the structures and found them to be faulty and Mm. everything on the outside, you know? So I, I finally, you know, after being banged up quite a bit, uh, turned inward and it's been an incredible journey. So I can relate. I wish I would have started in my twenties. That would have been really cool. But you know what it, like when, when we zoom in and we see, Mm -hmm. Oh man, I started my forties. I started my twenties, whatever. But when we zoom out, this is like the billion we've been living and it's like okay 20 years on a, a time frame that we can't even fathom it's like who cares you know yeah, yeah we're doing the work towards something in the end and whether we get there you know in this, <laughs> life, we start. this life that life you know we're just slowly making steps toward there and it's a long path is what I'm finding a very yes. long path yeah it seems short but in retrospect you're, you're right looking back at previous incarnations and all the you know hurdles that you have to overcome uh, with conditioning, it's it's quite an adventure. So, mm-hmm. so you uh, left South America, and then where did you go? Did you come back to the states? I did. I came back to the states, worked on a goat farm for some time, cool. saved a little bit of money, and uh, rode out on a rainy day on my bicycle out west, and uh, from Carrollton, Georgia, and I started riding west, and ended up in Arkansas, and had a very adventurous summer. Uh, went down to Texas, got got work, I'm working random jobs, really fun jobs, and all the way ended up in Oregon uh, by fall. So I went cross country, and 
uh, yeah, learned a lot that that go around. Um, mm-hmm. But still, they like, fell into old patterns. I remember, like I wasn't meditating as consistently as I wanted to be, mm-hmm. and I was still falling into old patterns. And this was in 2014, and I remember in 2015, I took a 10 day silent retreat. And that was life changing for me. Um, wow. Uh, a Vipassana retreat I took. Yes. I've always wanted to do that. Um, I did a three day one time with my best friend, and we didn't make it, but two days. <laughs> Don't go with your best friend. <laughs> hey, yeah, that would make it a little more challenging, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But that's incredible. What did you learn from 10 days of silence? If you, I, it's hard to sum up, I'm sure. No, well, I've thought of this a lot. And I can get into some deeper parts of it because I actually ended up later living and managing one of those meditation centers for several years. And, but that first go around, I, it was really a homecoming April. Mm -hmm. I had come home back into my body. I think a big part of the journey of awakening is how much you can actually embody yourself. How much can you feel? And there's so many layers to what you can feel and how subtle you can start feeling. Mm. Uh, and this was I hit some threshold in that course I remember it was on day six and it was every every evening there's a discourse and that evening after the meditation I was in a sea of vibrations and almost felt held Mm. and I just felt like finally this is what I had been looking for for so long all this questing to the end of the world going across country all this was for this to Mm. find find this and it was me all along right right but I didn't have the tools to like really feel like very fully within my body and be here and when I when when a person feels deeply within their body they can't be thinking simultaneously they're like two Mm -hmm. sides of the same coin you cannot Mm -hmm. think and feel at the same time and when I'm right. feeling that deeply, the thinking mind just shuts off finally. Mm. I can be here, not be pulled into the past or pulled into the future. And so that's what I got out of that, that, okay, I proved to myself that I can do this without entheogens, without psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And here's the way to do that. Here's mm. a, a structure, a path on how to get more present, essentially. Right. So right. yeah, that that's away from it. That's the, the mind, you know, we, t- in human design, we teach about the mind, not being the authority that the, that wisdom is embodied, mm. you know, and that your authority is in the body, not the mind. And it's the biggest hurdle for people to wrap their heads around um, oh, yeah. that, you know, the mind has a, has a, um, a role, which is the, that of the passenger And all it really needs to do is sit back and relax and let the vehicle, which is the embodied authority, take it wherever it's supposed to go. Um, But it really wants to get into the driver's seat. Golly, it loves the driver's seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know when that happened, when the mind was given, you know, control over that. But man, it's a tough pattern to break. And um, I'm certainly not there, but I've had glimpses and you know, work on it every day to, to come back and be the witness more and more. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can, it can be a struggle to 
not identify with the ruminations of of what's going on in the mind. Uh, but once you're aware that that's not where truth is found, yes. uh, you know, you can become more of a witness. Uh, but it's it is I think it's just a process of learning to do that. And it sounds like you really have dove into that deeply, which I think I admire greatly. I think that's a beautiful. Everybody has a different way of getting there. And yeah. uh, it sounds like it's been a, a pretty big adventure for you finding finding that space. It has been a big adventure, but a lot of a lot of the impetus for me going into these realms is suffering. It's like, wow, I'm really suffering inside. And it's hard to even articulate, hard to express to other people the kind of like suffering that I'm experiencing. And it's it's a suffering, I think, at the root we're all experiencing. Yes. It's the suffering of just existing of impermanence that nothing is ever gonna last. Everything right. we love all the people we love, all the experiences we love, they're all fading into nothingness every moment. And there's yeah. like a deep, a deep, uh, it's almost like built into the system. The suffering is built into the system. And yeah. it's like an itch you can't scratch. And I just right. had to understand it more and realize that the suffering is just the mind. It's clinging. It's the mind clinging. It's the mind pushing mm -hmm. away, pulling and if the, if the like you said, if the mind can just sit in the passenger seat without trying to direct the traffic or direct the driver, yeah, it, it can unfold the way nature wants to unfold it, which is without any impediments and any resistance. Yes, and that's a really beautiful thing. It's like I have all these knots inside me. We all have all these tension points that are old patterns, et cetera, et cetera. And like oil and water, if you just leave it they'll separate on their own. But right. we're sitting here just shaking our jars up all the time, you know, and right. wanting clarity, but we don't know how to just sit back and, you know, allow the oil and water to separate all on yeah. its own. We don't even have to do anything about it. Yeah, that, Alan Watts talks about that. There's a quote or a talk that he gave. I'm a real fan. And Me too. Uh, he, Me too. he's amazing or was, he is amazing. Uh, <laughs> wherever he is, he's amazing. Um, <laughs> But he talked about water, how to clear muddy water, just leave it alone, you know, and that nature has an inherent wisdom. If we'll just line up with that, let's talk about nature a little bit. I'm, I'm a bit of a philosophical Taoist. I really adhere to, or try to, I'm an aspirant. Uh, I aspire to adhere to the Tao, uh, but the wisdom of nature, because mm. that's a big thing for you. Can we talk about that a little bit? Like you've spent a lot of time in nature. Yes. Yes. I've spent a lot of time in nature. Um, and I've come to the conclusion that nature is not outdoors. Right. Nature is, it's all nature. <laughs> you, I can't separate myself from nature, right? right? I had this romantic idea of what nature was, you know, going out in the woods, mm -hmm. really being in nature. And there's value to that. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of distractions in our modern world that out in the forest are simply not there mm -hmm. um but this is also nature cities are nature i can't be separated from nature yeah and that was a big aha moment for me because i wanted to do all these things out in the woods and mm -hmm. be alone out in the woods and do these things and realize that i can still grow wherever i'm at and mm -hmm. the process of me unfolding, the process of April unfolding mm -hmm. is, is something I don't know what that looks like. 
And mm-hmm. so the more, I, again, it's like the more I start planning, okay, well, I'm going to go and do a lot of growth in this area of my life by mm-hmm. going out to the woods or going out into nature. It's like, well, I can do that anywhere. And if it's just me getting back into the driver's seat instead of like, where's my karma <laughs> really need to unfold? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. And playing that game. It's, it's analogous to me, April, to lucid dreamers. Lucid mm-hmm. dreamers, when, when people first start lucid dreaming, they want to explore all these fun things where they start flying, they'll start doing all these fun adventures in their dreams. And then at some point that becomes boring to them and they just want to be the witness and see how it unfolds all on its right. own. Right. And I'm, that's what I'm doing right now is just trying to sit back and see how this unfolds. And it's not always how I want it. In fact, right. most of the time, it's not how I want it. Right. But when I do let go and surrender to whatever my own karmic unfolding is, things definitely go easier. And there's yeah. more miracles, there's more synchronicities, and it's more fun. It's just yes. more fun. Yeah, the Tao has the nature or the the notion of aimlessness because there is because the purpose to be here is just being here. Mm-hmm. And I I love that because our we're so our culture conditions us to believe that we must define a goal. We must have a per like a, like a purpose, but I think that the purpose appears as you walk the path. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, and it, and it can go in a lot of different directions and converge all in the same place. Um, There's that do there's the, the yin and yang of that, the, you know, the water, the watercourse way, everything is just kind of flowing. And then the structure, the container to hold that, and it's, um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, when we allow life to live us. Yeah, I like the way you put that. When we allow life to live us, it's trying to live through us. Right. And then this idea that somehow we're separate from nature and we need to overcome and dominate nature. Uh, when what we're doing is we're part of nature. So we're kind of overcoming and dominating ourselves. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but. No but that's kind of the road we're on. Yeah. And every, and everyone's got to find their own way. You know, no one can walk the path for anyone else. That's right. And that, that's such a weight that was off me that lifted, you know, sometime, you know, years ago, but during this journey was, was, wow, I, I don't need to like push anything on to anyone else or think mm-hmm. that my idea of how to live is the idea is the right way you know and i think that happens to a lot of i guess people waking up in the beginning they find something that resonates with them and it helps them and they have this natural inclination to want to share that you know and it comes from a really good place it does but they haven't yet understood how idiosyncratic their karma is and that that thing worked for you Mm -hmm. but that not might be working for anyone else in that way yeah that's very Western, you know, um, a, a teacher of mine talks about demographic swamping and, you know, the idea that everybody needs to be saved and we need to be the one to get them their message. But in reality, like you said, everybody has their own journey right. and their own trajectory in the way that they, you know, the way they're going to live out their movie is, could right. be remarkably different than yours. And it's a, it's a respecting and honoring of, of, of their path. Yes. Um, you know, if we could do that for one another, uh, you know, I don't want to be hokey and say we'd have world peace, but I think we would, you know, in terms of like, you know, focus on our own 
uh, path sure. and, and respect and honor the paths of others. It's true. And you know, that, that world peace is attainable. I, I see for me, it's my experience is so narrowed down now mm -hmm. that what I'm experiencing firsthandedly, that's it. Yeah. That's all that exists for me, essentially, you know, Good. whatever's going on in Ukraine, this, that, or the other, that's not real to me. That is, right. that is a, that's a movie being played on whether it's happening or not. doesn't make a difference to me. It's right. not, here right it, it's know, not it, now it's a, it's for a distraction you. for me and so yeah. there's there can be peace in one's individual life one can experience world peace the more they experience peace inward that just starts to reflect outward regardless of what's happening wherever you know? and there's there's a sort of contagiousness to that yeah you know i mean Absolutely. i i know i noticed that a lot when i'm around people like yourself that are just kind of really centered very grounded doing their own thing, you know, it's, it's refreshing, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, Ooh, I, I want to feel that I want to be fully present in my body. I want to be connected to nature. I want to be connect connected, embodied as a human yes. being, instead of yes. have my mind in 20 different places. That's just madness, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So talk to me about purification of the mind. What does that mean when you think mm. about when you say that that's my favorite topic i think right there oh yay and, good <laughs> and when i say mind i i don't separate the mind and the body they're they're complex that are the more i go deep into it you know mm -hmm. on the surface it seems like they're two different things but as i go deeper they're they're the same thing right. um purification of the mind is Okay, let me backtrack here. Um, okay, take your time. We all come into this incarnation with baggage, mm. with karma, with old patterns, and right. with reactivity. Mm -hmm. And our minds are constantly using reactivity for fuel. That's mm -hmm. how they operate. And so we're constantly reacting at deep levels creating more fuel, creating more existences, creating more suffering. And the process of purification is stopping that process and reversing that. Okay. So when we're in our thinking minds and our mind is very layered, I'll say. Mm -hmm. So we might feel peaceful even on the surface. We might not have any thoughts on our surface, but that doesn't mean that below the surface, you know, where the a lot of the matter of the iceberg is, Mm -hmm. there's still reactivity going on there's churning right. going on even at those deep levels we mm -hmm. just can't process that because our minds aren't sharp enough in that moment to actually be aware of what's going on in those mm -hmm. deep levels mm -hmm. so the process of of purification is essentially learning how to be present feel deeper mm -hmm. and when we're not reacting it's like our mind is fasting. So when we're our physical body fasts, mm -hmm. say we stop eating food, mm -hmm. we go to our reserves. We go to our fat reserves. We go to old cells. We go and scavenge what we can do to keep going. And the mm -hmm. mind is no different, except the mind needs something every single moment. <laughs> so when we stop reacting, it's going to go to old karma, old, huh. old stores. 
and it starts eating that up old old patterns old reactivity and that is that can be unpleasant at times or it can be Mm -hmm. pleasant Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like when i say reactivity i'm not speaking about totally negative things there's wholesome karma too sure so getting to that point where we're just practicing every day every moment basically to be in the moment and Mm -hmm. allow whatever's arising to arise because that's how we get rid of older stuff and so when we stop reacting new chunks of old stuff start coming up to be processed and used and that can look very unpleasant within the mind you know you might have crazy thoughts you you know that why i i don't even why did i even think of that or it might be very pleasant you know something that just feels very good it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. the point is we're not reacting to whatever's unfolding right so we start getting good at that and bigger and bigger chunks start coming up old stores and we actually start lightening our load and when we start lightening our karmic load our whole energetic blueprint starts changing you know now you know our karma was going in this direction and now it's going in this direction. We dealt with a bunch of stuff now. Now we're going to new territory and new layers and mm-hmm. harder tests and harder challenges. And um, and that's essentially it. And for me, that looks like that's definitely meditating. That's trying to be more meditative throughout the day, you know, really mm-hmm. integrate that in my own life. Not just, right. I'm not just a person who, sits down and meditates and okay that's it i don't you know i did my thing for the day i'm good no it's right. really about where i'm taking it day to day and my mm-hmm. relationships and my interactions and how i'm present in that mm-hmm. and, and physical purification i i do a lot of that i have a bunch of practice that I do from fasting to um you know exercise and a bunch of different things in that in that realm to kind of tackle it in that way mm-hmm. too and so wow yeah everyone's going to be drawn to their own practices on what that looks like physical and mental mm-hmm. mind purification but I, that's where i'm going that's where i want to be going because mm-hmm. i want to know my creator i want to know god on an experiential level and i'm not yes. talking about the you know the bearded man in the clouds, not not that necessarily, but I do think there's a creator that's creating all of this. And I'm just one little speck of that creator as one speck of the whole, one drop in the ocean. And mm-hmm. I want to come to the point where I'm more and more realizing I'm in the ocean right. and not a separate drop in the ocean. Yeah, that was a real impetus for my journey too, was I'd had all the uh, religious, you know, experiences and they all, and, but I wanted to, I read, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I read about, uh, spiritual experiences that people had, and I didn't want to read about them anymore. I wanted to actually, and I read about them in Hebrew and Aramaic and, you know, and I, and it was great. I mean, but I wanted to be, I wanted to live that. I wanted to have a firsthand experience. And I think we're meant to, and that's yeah so i can definitely definitely relate to that and some of what you're saying almost sounds like the shadow integration that work that i do with gene keys 
uh, in terms of old karmic patterns and places where we've maybe received wounding and there's there's places that are stuck and we can't go forward and you're you're accessing those through through presence and meditation and i think that's beautiful that is really yeah i'm trying cool. i'm trying and to a note on your words that reading about things i find a lot of value in books and reading about sure them. but the, the the main value they bring is to inspire us to walk our own path that's oh, it that's good that's well put that's yeah, exactly that's right there's yeah. really no other use for any of that kind of material unless it's inspiring us to to keep walking yeah you can look at it and read through it and know everyone's stories and memorized it and quote it but if you're not if it's not a living reality in your own life it just right. you know it's like hitting that glass ceiling it's like okay what what now you know yeah. and I, I i think you know innately as we as human beings know that we need to go deeper, that we need to go within, that we need to have that that experience of experiencing the creator and creation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. And yeah. in Buddhist theology, um, there's a moment when someone reaches Nibbana or the kingdom of heaven. And that moment could literally be, you know, a, a hair of a second or it could last mm -hmm. several minutes, hours, days. Um, but when that happens, their whole, that person's whole being is upgraded mm -hmm. and like a, like an operating system, right? On a computer, the whole right. operating system is upgraded and they can no longer actually do some of the unwholesome things that they could do before. Right. And I find that very interesting. Like they can't, and I say Nibbana, Nirvana, kingdom of heaven. I think these are mm -hmm. all interchangeable. Right. Um, but there is a moment that you experience when you experience God. Mm -hmm. And this, I've read of this. I'm not sure I've experienced it in the way that they're expressing it. Mm -hmm. But the whole person, the whole being is changed. Yes. And they wake up and they come back and they can't, they can't, they have no doubt anymore. Doubt is completely right. gone. You know, they right. anger is completely gone. There's there's certain things that they're still on the path and they're not like fully liberated fully enlightened mm -hmm. but there are stepping stones along the way and maybe the role at that point is to be more of a bodhisattva you know a person that's here to uh help help humanity realize who it really is you know maybe that's you know yeah. they've had that realization and i think about like the the masters you know buddha uh jesus yeshua um you know mm going back those are the, those are my main two right there honestly yeah the yeah Lao Tzu Lao Tzu is my my main guy <laughs> yeah the Tao is true. I don't have enough information about him as a person I've read yeah. the Tao Te Ching but I don't know enough about him as as an individual well there's doubt as to whether or not he is one person or a compilation of different people okay. you know his the Tao Te Ching is an extremely simple book I'm not sorry I'm sorry yeah the Tao Te Ching is an extremely simple book to read. It's short, it's and it's but it's profound. And um, so I like the simplicity of it. And I like that the first statement is the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. <laughs> right. That's probably my very favorite uh favorite That's verse. the preface, right? The yeah. Tao actually can't be explained. We're just gonna point fingers to it, but there's nothing yeah. that will ever be able to express it because yeah. it, it's ineffable. It's inexpressible. It's, exactly. it's the thing that's permanent. We're living in this world that 
of the mind. That's everything is impermanent. So all of our references are to things within it. And the Tao is outside of that. It's outside of that. closes that. So there's nothing within it that would ever be able to fully, you know, give you an idea of it. Yeah, not not from a not from in, in a human perspective per se. Right. Right, um, right. But you know, we know that just living living a life uh in in alignment with nature is is probably as close as you're gonna get in terms of, you know, you know, and meditating and just being fully present, like what you're talking about. That's that's as close as we as we get of a mental understanding. Right. Um, but an embodied understanding, you know, your body is the Tao. I mean you know, nature is the Tao. It's, it is all the Tao, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, or, you know, whatever you want to call that, you know, words, words to me are so insufficient. We use so many of them, but they're really insufficient to describe a lot of these experiences. And I feel like that's the big disconnect is people want, they want structure and they want logic and they want every, all the pieces to fit and all the, you know, eyes to be dotted, dotted and the T's crossed. But you know, when you're walking a real spiritual life, you know, you, you just take that next step. You don't, you can't define all of it. You right. know, it's difficult to define. So uh, let's talk about music because you make music. Okay. Tell me about how, what kind of music you make. I make, I sing and make hip hop music. And yeah. I, I have trouble even saying that because I I rhyme in my music, but I wouldn't describe it as hip hop. Um, mm -hmm. it's just an easy way for me to kind of get that across, but mm -hmm. it's, it's intense. It's very intense music. I speak and sing from my heart. Uh, mm -hmm. it's definitely a powerful outlet for me. Uh, I started, I've played the guitar for some time, but I started just being more poetic. You know, mm -hmm. I've done poetry when I was younger and actually did poetry competition, but I said, I'm just going to try this. And this was 2021. I'm, so I'm going to put a full year into this and be consistent with it and just put music out and see what happens. Right. Um, I was very aware how cutthroat and the music industry is. So I had no, I was going in knowing that I'm not going to make a living out of this. Yeah. You know, it's not my intention. My intention is just to just see what happens, follow the nature. Mm -hmm. and I'm still doing it it's it's a hobby but I love it it's so healing to me April mm -hmm. a big part of my growth is within like unlocking my throat and mm -hmm. that helps me open it up on a consistent basis yeah. keep it open and really start moving some of the garbage and blockages that I had in my throat mm -hmm. out. Yeah. and I love it the writing process the the recording process um is very cathartic for me and i and i have all my music on spotify i really like, i did a bunch of music videos um yeah i, would, I had the whole process of editing the videos it's just such a fun yeah. creative process yeah. for me yeah oh goodness well you'll i'll have to find that and link to it uh in the notes because i'd like to check it out i love poetry and i think it, you know and i think music is poetry and the cool thing about music too and I might be wrong about this, but it stimulates certain uh, parts of our brain that cause oh, us to increase neuroplasticity. Oh, it's got um, to. It's got yeah, to. Yeah. My husband is a huge, I mean, his collection is growing, growing, growing. He's huge into music and it is the thing that he does. It helps him unwind every day coming home from work and traffic. And I just think it's such a beautiful part um, of our lives. So I love Me that too. you're 
you're contributing to that. We want to. Yeah, I really love that. it. And it's so it's just so much fun. I'll cry at times. I'm making something and I'll mm -hmm. just start crying. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things are moving through me in, in that process. And yeah, it's I healing. Love it. it's, yeah, heal it's so it healing. Is. Music is so healing. I've de I definitely do that too. And I, I will oftentimes pick music with the lyrics that really um, communicate what I'm, I'm feeling. And you're, you're right. It'll bring you to tears, but they're like, it's the most cleansing experience. You know, it's just cleaning yeah. out all that old stuff and, and the throat, you know, the throat is huge. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It opens up like just so much the connecting my, my heart and my head or my, mm -hmm. my heart and my head and just like that was just blocked and now they, things can move much more freely it was a big yeah. unlock for me and it was just a lot of vulnerability you know it's it's not it's it's deeply uncomfortable sometimes one just voicing things that are yeah. you know your truth that you might to yourself is uncomfortable let yeah. alone putting myself out there, creating a music video where I'm not only like sharing it to you, but I'm owning it. I'm really yes. owning what I'm saying. And, yes. and that was, that was a great exercise just to get comfortable with being vulnerable, you know, mm -hmm. in, in that way. I, right now I like, I, I could, if I'm posting that kind of stuff, you know, in my day-to-day -day life, I don't, I don't much care about what you think of me. You know, I'm, I'm, I've looked at me so deeply. I know the bullshit that I right. have. There's right. nothing you're going to tell me that's new to me that I haven't <laughs> yeah. looked at already under a microscope. Exactly. So that process of just opening myself up to people um, on a virtual way has really helped me in my day-to-day -day life be more open. I love that. That's really beautiful. I, I really, really love that. So um Let's switch gears here because this is one of the things that I noticed um, that you had when you were at the farmer's market. It's called pyrography. My, I'm yes. messing that up again. <laughs> you're, you're putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable is what you're okay. doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, py pyrography is fine. Pyrography is. Pyrography. Okay. Pyrography. I keep looking at the word and that's my mistake. So I, I, I need to not it's look at okay. it. It's okay. So let's talk about that because you do some beautiful work. And what I first noticed, just as a side note, so the House of Light, uh, one of my friends there, Linda, had showed me some of your work, which was a body graph, uh, a human design body graph. And for those that you don't know what that is, that's basically your energy signature. And you had done you had done a person's body body graph. Yes. And it was it was beautiful. And then I saw some of the other things that you did while I was at the farmer's market and uh, I was very impressed. Uh, but I don't understand anything about it. So I'll let you explain that. Sure. Um, well, it's actually something when I was in South America for the first winter, I was in Patagonia and the winters down there are harsh, relentless, cold, windy. Hmm. And it was really a time for me to hibernate. And they had a wood pen there. And so I, I had a bunch of like little wood discs. And I remember I would just draw things on the wood discs. And I made a big, beautiful wall piece with a bunch of connecting wood discs that had a bunch of random things on them. And I enjoyed it. It was very cathartic. And but I put that aside for, you know, 10 years and just started coming back to it recently. Uh, I was working in Michigan and I just kept, you know, when something comes in your head, mm -hmm. it's almost like. You're getting it just inspired. Keeps coming. Like, yeah. It's like buy the wood burner, buy a nice one. 
And I'm I'm so cheap sometimes that I just like, no, I'm not going to do that. I kept putting off. This is probably a year ago. And I finally purchased it this year. I said, you know, what? I'm just going to put, you know, the two, $300 yeah. investment into it, see what happens. And so I started making horse tags. I was living in a horse farm. And I started making horse tags for people and they really liked them. I'd finish them and got a couple commissions for some, some friends and family that wanted to support me. I was like, okay, I could do something with this. I'm really enjoying this. You know, it's a very slow art. So talk mm. about having to be present. You yeah. cannot rush this art. It is very slow um, and tedious. Mm. And so I started doing bigger pieces, had a bunch of reclaimed wood on my property. And it's like, this is nice wood. And so I started sanding it, cutting it, making it look much more presentable. And I realized, wow, I've got something here. These are really beautiful canvases that I can work on. Mm-hmm. and one thing leads to another the whole process starts evolving I'm finishing them different ways I'm adding acrylic paint to them mm-hmm. and now it's just it's a it's a it's really an enjoyable craft that I'm trying to turn into a business basically mm-hmm. an art business and that is leading to all sorts of challenges how do you market it you know what do you right. connect to how do you price things um it's just it's leading to a whole new set of challenges, which I love. I love the puzzle of these types of things. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to just be the kind of person that can just sit there and do it all day and work on it. But I have to play all the roles in the business. You know what I mean? And so there's some weak points I have. Marketing is definitely a weaker point and going yeah. out, doing the networking, et cetera. So yeah, the farmer's market helps me like kind of push me into that, right. that networking area but yeah the ones you saw at the market was like generation one and those were really beautiful to me at the time and I look at them now and I'm like wow these are so elementary <laughs> I'm doing that. and that's how I feel about my music too I'll yeah. listen to some of my first songs and I can't it's just oh the the, the cadence and all that it's just it kind of makes me cringe and but I see that I'm improving. And you're, that's gro- you're growing. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's it. the most fun of any process is mm-hmm. just, am I improving? Am I improving in the skill? And it's just so mm-hmm. much fun to improve at anything and to see I'm getting better at things and how it connects to all the different facets of my life. Right. A lot yeah. of people never start things because they're so afraid of not doing it perfectly when they begin. <sighs> I know. Yeah. And I have that, I have that fear and I have yeah. to, for me and if anyone listening to this, if you have that same fear, what helped me is just breaking it down mm-hmm. into the smallest steps until I get to a step that I feel comfortable and conquering. Right. And that little victory can lead to the next little victory. But if I'm thinking of the final product or the final goal, mm-hmm. it's way too overwhelming. Like right. to think, Oh, just, I'm not going to even start. That's way too much work. Yeah. I'm going to be terrible at it, blah, blah, blah. And just doing any of the process helps me get over that perfectionistic idea mm-hmm. and say, you know, screw it. I don't care if it looks bad now. Like, ah, this is part of my process. Yeah. And at some point it does click over where that fear also gets weaker and weaker throughout mm-hmm. the process. Right. Right. And just yeah. doing it in the art, doing it with the wood burning April. People I think should realize that if you start like an artistic endeavor or whatever it is, that will correlate to other parts of your life. So, right. you know, that fear that you're fearing about doing this piece of art or whatever it is, 
you start going into that more and more, that's going to affect your fear in all aspects of your life. That's going to dwindle the fear and everything else, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, do you mind if I mention your human design? Cause you told me. No, no, not okay, at all. So you're a manifesting generator. So you're really meant to do a lot of different things. So you're meant to have yes. your irons and mini fires all at the same time. And, and that's, oh, that's good to hear April. I'm that's, sometimes I think being the jack of all trades, master of none, it's like, Oh, that's I'm my life. Worried about I, it I'm, a, I'm a jack of all trades and master of none either. And I feel similarly, the first podcast that I did, I, you know, I couldn't listen to them either. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> you know, that production is not good. Cause I, you know, I'm not used to being the producer, you know, so there, you know, there's a lot that's improved over time and I'm still working on it and it's okay. And, you know, and I just, I think we both want to really encourage people just do it and go back and fix it. And, 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 uh, if you need to, you know, but really, you know, you're learning, we're all learning. That's what this whole experience is about is learning. So, yes, but yeah, you, you've definitely come, you've de I haven't listened to your older podcast, but I feel like you're a very skilled interviewer and conversationalist that knows how to transition into things very well and keep a present attention. So I appreciate the conversation. Well, you're pretty easy to talk to. I mean, you have a lot to share, which is really great, but it, you know, it's something that I've had to kind of really work on because I didn't start out, you know, being able to do it very well, or I guess a lot of it's just listening, you know, and trying to pay, pay attention and pick out things that you hear people saying uh, and, and get them to kind of expand on that a little bit more. Um, but I'm very excited about what you're offering and I'm definitely going to put links to this underneath the show notes. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we close? I think, um, gosh, if you, if you'd be willing to give me just a little advice on my human design yeah. and how to connect with that emotional authority more, I'd really okay. that. Oh, so you're an emotional manifesting generator. Is that right? I, I think sacral. Oh, sacral. Right? Okay. So you're not, you're not emotional. Well, you are sensitive, very sensitive, but you're not, emo emotion is not how you make decisions. Sacral for you is pretty immediate. And it is a guttural knowing that comes out in a sound. So it's not, you want to answer yes or no questions, not with yes or no, but with uh-huh or uh-uh, just really feel into that. It's it's in the sacral itself. So it comes across as uh-huh. I'll give you a good story. My husband is, um, he has sacral authority. So I go to the farmer's market every Saturday and he likes he likes the pastries there. The one in particular called a Napoleon uh, that the French bakery lady does that he just loves. Um, but he didn't really want to go this, this morning. And I, and I know his authority. I don't have sacral authority, but he does. And I, for a minute, forgot that. And I asked him an open-ended question. I said, do you want anything at the farmer's market? And he looked at me like I had three eyes. Okay, so when you have sacral authority, open-ended questions are not good. You like you want people to get straight to the point and it needs to be a yes or no question. Right. I and was so I looking went, at you like I had three eyes too right now. I think I was like totally connecting with what he was feeling. Yeah, because he's looking and I'm and I'm I have uh what's called ego or heart authority. <laughs> And it's all about me talking, you know, and, and my stories go all over the place. And, but he wants, let's cut to the chase. And so I looked at him and I thought, oh, I forgot. Like we always 
we we look at others as we look at ourselves, you know. Right. And I forgot for a moment that what I had just what I had just done in asking him that open-ended question, I said, Do you want a pastry from the farmer's market? And he knows how to use his sacral authority. And he goes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <That's right. laughs> so I knew that. So with when I speak to him, um, I ask him questions that are yes or no, and he can he can access a very clear uh-huh or uh-uh. But if I was to ask him a question and he was to answer it with a yes or no, he could he could say something that was not true. So if I said, you know, do you like this sweater? And he didn't, he said, oh, he would say, yeah, that's fine. But he could never say, uh-huh, if he didn't really believe that. Right. So the truth is found in, in the gut, the gut knowing, and it's very connected to sound. You know, he loves music. You love music. I mean, there's a connection to sound with the sacral. And it has this energy that really needs to burn itself out every day so that you can sleep soundly. Uh, you have you have energy you have uh, restore you have energy to burn constantly. Um, some people need yes. to rest before they go to sleep. You can literally work if you're doing something that is satisfactory to you. You can do it from sun up to sun down and just pass yep. out. Yep, it's true. Um, exercise is great for you. Uh, but it's a beautiful thing. Your truth is in the moment for what you're looking towards, but two, three minutes, two days, two weeks later, it may not necessarily be as accurate because we're always fluctuating and changing. So, uh, you, you, as a sacral authority, you need to practice with that sound. Right. And that, no, and it makes sense. It's something I've learned kind of just on my own, mm -hmm. not with the, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I've noticed that when I'm not speaking my truth or that it's something that I don't really want to say or do, my voice lifts an octave yeah. and it feels like it's coming from more up here. Yeah. Whereas if I say my truth, it's definitely coming from all the way like, yeah, down, down in the sacrum. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's where your inner authority is found. And your strategy is to wait to respond because with being a sacral authority, you're actually drawing things to you to respond to. Nice. So yes. no forcing, no pushing, no making, waiting to respond to things. They'll come to you and then you need to respond to them. Uh, but you're not really here to force things. Although you do have this manifesting ability or initiating ability, you need to do it in response to what comes to you. And then just right. inform people around you that might be impacted by your choices, what you're doing. And that will that will decrease the amount of resistance that you that you might feel. And that's the manifesting generator with a sacral authority. Wow. Well, I may need to get a reading from you at some point and follow okay. up because I've had one before, but it was not as succinct and clear as what you've just stated in five minutes. So, well, there's a lot of depth to human design and gene keys. And um, that was very general. Uh, but that's really the most important thing I can tell anybody is really practice your strategy and authority. You'll find less resistance in life. You'll find satisfaction with what you're doing. Uh, and life just moves a lot more smoothly when you're, when you're accessing those, those tools. Um, but you know, there's things like profile incarnation cross. I mean, it just goes and goes and goes. Uh, but I really do give people a lot of detail because, um, and then I give them a report so they can refer back to it because they're never going to remember any, everything. Uh, right. It's them. a big download. I mean, yeah, you need to go back into the files and remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's a process, but you know, the, the, 
outcome is similar to what you were talking about earlier, which is deconditioning. Yeah. You know, those getting rid of those those things that are part of us that are not really part of us uh, and getting back to our original factory settings, the layers of conditioning, uh, the expectations, the cultural expectations, societal, uh, the, you know, what the who the media tells we tells us we should be uh, all those things that contribute to making us not us. Uh, so that's what it's all about. But that's just a brief uh but you're doing all the right things as a manifesting generator. You're all you're dipped in all sorts of things. I mean, and that's really what you all can do. You can multitask like nobody's business. And it, it, well, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a good it thing. Helps. Yeah, no, it helps me to the way to respond and just be reminded of that because it's crazy what I'll manifest exactly what I need. And I'm not even thinking about it. But when I start trying to like get it done and do the thing, mm -hmm. it's just like, it's just not happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Force is just not really, even manifestors who can initiate have a sort of waiting process in that they need to be aligned uh, correctly before they, you know, they initiate. So it's, it's an important thing to be correct in your body. And you can feel that as tension or resistance. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that's not, that's not for now, or that's not correct for me. I mean, when you really start to feel into your body, which you have done a lot of, uh, you can, you can kind of get a good idea of what's correct. So, mm, I'm inspired. It's fabulous. It's a really wonderful tool. Uh, and I, I highly recommend it. Um, but this has been so interesting and I can't wait to post this. And uh, everybody, you need to look at his work because he is a master. I mean, you're really, really good. And I want everybody to know what you're doing. I appreciate that, April. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the time. My pleasure. You have a great day. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I'll see you Saturday. All right. <laughs> great.